Welcome to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Behold Israel provides biblical teachings through its tours, speaking events, and social media. It's also a reliable and accurate source for developments in Israel and the region. Amir's live updates and teachings are based on God's written word. Connect with Behold Israel on Telegram, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Download our free app, available on Android and Apple, under Behold Israel. It's a wonderful privilege to be here. I consider this church as my home church here in this island. And uh, um, and this is, I think, my third, third or fourth time here. Third, yeah. Yeah, anyway, um, what a great start to this conference we had with wonderful messages. Message on Israel and about the great apostasy. And I, I was thinking about talking this afternoon about the essentials in the last days. What are the most important things we as believers need to do or know and grasp and understand and exercise in these last days. So the title of the message is Last Days Essentials. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is true. And we now ask that you will sanctify us with this truth. We thank you. And we ask that you will speak through your word, and that you will convict, and you will encourage, and uh, that you will do your work, and that that word will never come back void, but it will go and do that which it was sent for. We thank you, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, last day's essentials. So out of curiosity, when did the last days really start? When, I mean, people always use that term, last days, last days, end times. But when, when is it that we began the end times? We began the last days. I mean, can you put a finger on a day when it actually started? It's very interesting because the term last days surfaces throughout the Bible many times, but it's basically first occurring is in Genesis chapter 49, when Jacob was giving his children a word about the future. And he, sure enough, talked about the Messiah, and the Messiah is the front and center concerning the tribe of Judah. In Genesis chapter 49 Verse 1, it says, And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. And then in verse 10, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until what? Shiloh, it's one of the Hebrew names of the Messiah, Shiloh. Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Now that's a prophecy. It's a prophecy about the Messiah. It's a prophecy of 
where he's going, which lineage the Messiah is going to, to have. And it's a prophecy not only about his first coming in the flesh, but also about his second coming and how he's going to rule the world. Now, in the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, Peter referred back to the words of the prophet Joel to indicate that the last days had arrived and were to continue into the future. Acts 2, verses 16 to 17. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and that's, I added, chapter 2, verses 28, 29. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And according to the author of the book of Hebrews, the last days began when actually the Messiah has arrived in his first coming. And uh, that was his first advent. And we see that in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he had a, has appointed heir of all things through through whom also he made the worlds. So we can actually understand that we enter into the phase called last days from the moment Jesus came in his first advent. John, in 1 John 2.18, says, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, he's talking about, look, there is an Antichrist that is coming in the future, but even now, he says, many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. So from the moment the Messiah came, counterfeits, deception, and attempts to, to confuse people about his identity and about an attempt to confuse people about um, who he really is began already. I mean, this is John. This is first century. And already counterfeit messiahs. And it's interesting because this is not the Antichrist that he's talking about. But he's talking about people that came from the church. And he's talking about people that even in a way denied the very coming of Jesus in the flesh and also his deity. So we're talking about an interesting thing, that from the moment Jesus arrived, all the end times prophecies began to be fulfilled, one after the other. Him coming to fulfill the promises of God through the law, the Psalms, and the prophets is what ushered in the last days. If you don't understand the Old Testament, you will have hard times understand the New Testament. Because Jesus is not coming to start something new. He came to fulfill that which was in the Old Testament. And therefore, he is ushering the last days. Luke chapter 24, verse 27. Beginning in Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures. Which scriptures did Jesus refer to? 
But which scriptures were, were there in the first century? At that time, it was only the Old Testament. Jesus never quoted the New Testament even once. That's a fact. Every time he quoted scriptures, it was the Old Testament. How can you go to church without half of the Bible? And say, I have a, you have a half a Bible. You know, if you have only the New Testament and the Psalms, I hope you paid half price because it's half of the Bible. But he says, in all the scriptures, he expounded to them, to these two disciples on the road to Emmaus, he expounded to them the things concerning himself. People tell me, how can I evangelize to the Jewish people using only the Old Testament? I said, well, how did Jesus prove to his people that he is the Messiah if it's not with the Old Testament? There is not a single apostle that quoted John 3.16. And it's interesting. And it's interesting because we know that um, Jesus was okay quoting Old Testament prophets. And he did talk about what Daniel said. And Peter did talk about what Joel said. They always refer to those things. In Luke 24, verse 44, then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which means they were promised in the past, now they must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms and the Gospels and the Epistles. And no, it's not written yet. You understand? Concerning me. So we understand when the last days began. They began with the Messiah arrived. But when will the last days end? Hmm. Hmm. Well, we must understand the last days, the term days, is, it's a unit of time. You know? And until time, as we know, it is eradicated in the new Jerusalem, the last days will continue. In other words... The last days will continue until there are no more days. It's hard. Let, let's, let, let, let it sink for a minute. A day is determined by the cycle of the sun. Until that cycle ceases, we will continue to be in the last days. Is that clear? And when will that be? Revelation 21, 22 to 27. I saw no temple in the new Jerusalem, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are in are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut. So basically a description of the New Jerusalem. Until the New Jerusalem is going to come down, when God is going to have new heavens and new earth. Remember, it's a new heaven, not only new earth. Believe it or not, heaven was contaminated with sin before earth was. Satan rebelled up there in heaven. And so it, it had to be that the heavens and the earth are going to be completely new. And it's a completely new thing. 
what was then in the past is not going to be in the book of Revelation. The way it's described, it's not only new in time, but it's also new in type. And the solar system that we're so used to right now will not exist anymore. There will be no more need for the sun, the moon, and the stars. So, so don't, don't think that in the New Jerusalem you'll gaze into the sky and see the stars. And oh, It's not going to happen. And then I have other bad news for the Hawaiians. There will be no ocean also. <laughs> but there will be other great things, don't worry. So history, as we know, is basically divided into three parts. Take a look at this. So you see, from creation to the coming of Messiah, this is the time that God made the world's and promise the promises. Then from the moment Jesus came all the way till he makes everything new, these are the last days. Do you understand that? And from that time on, it's eternity in the new Jerusalem, and it's forever and ever, and that's it. And Apple will go bankrupt because no more Apple. No, no more time, you understand? You're not going to call anyone. You're not going to set a meeting. No, no more time. This is it. So now that we have established that uh, we're living in the last days, there's some additional questions we need to address. And that's what it's all about when it comes to the essentials. We all live in the last days. You're all alive right now, I hope. And um, we are in the last days. In fact, in, we're in the very end of the last days. We're pushing towards the rapture of the church will which will leave us only another thousand and seven years until he makes all things new. Seven years of tribulation and a thousand years of millennial kingdom. But you're probably saying, dang, that's too long. Then no, because once we're translated into our heavenly body, I think everything will be different for us. And I think that just as for the Lord, a thousand years is like one day and one day like a thousand years. I think the, th the millennial kingdom will go faster than we think. But I will tell you that as long as we're here and we're not raptured yet, and we're still here in this world as we are in this fallen body. Look at you. <laughs> when was the last time you looked at the mirror? All of us. We are in a state of decay. Well, some of you are maybe 16, 17. Three more years you have. And then it, the downfall. So the, the first question is, what is essential for believers in the last days? The first thing, there's a lot of things that are essential, of course. And uh, some of them regardless of circumstances. And they are superior to whatever is going on around you. For example, stick to the word. Regardless of where it's peace or war, or there is famine or there's a lot of food, or where it's hot or cold, stick to the word. If, if, if it's a Democrat president or Republican president, stick to the word. It's imperative 
In Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Politicians will change their mind. Militaries will be powerful one day and powerless the next. Buildings can stand beautifully one day and they'll be gone the next. Governments will, up, will be up and down. Um, look, do not put your trust in anything but the things that will stand forever. And the word of God stands forever. It cannot change. He will not change. Keep reminding yourself of the promises of God. It's imperative. In these last days, our minds are under attack. Our souls are under attack. We must remind ourselves the promises of God. In Psalm 103, David commands his soul, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless. It's a in the Hebrew, it's in the imperative uh, uh, form of, of speech. Bless the Lord. He commands his soul to bless the Lord. We have to remind ourselves of the promises of God, of the character of God, of who He is. In Isaiah 46, verse 9 to 10, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. God is not ashamed to declare the end from the beginning. He has perfect track record. He was never too late or too early. He had perfect time for everything he does, and everything he promised either was fulfilled, is being fulfilled, or will be fulfilled. There is no other book of any religion, of any faith, of any movement anywhere around the world in history where nearly a third of it is on our future events. God is not afraid of telling you what the, end, what the end is going to be, what the future is going to hold, because He is a God that is faithful to His covenant, faithful to His promises. He's declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. He went to prepare a place for us. That's a promise. Jesus is not here on earth right now. He's right there in heaven. And he said that it's better for us that he goes to prepare a place for us. And he's sending another helper. And that's the Holy Spirit. And, and then he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Come again. But not come again to the world. I will come again to receive you to myself. So where I am, you will be also. Jesus is basically saying, if you want me to come and take you to be where I am, I need to go and prepare a place for you. It's a promise. Another promise is he has given us another helper. 
If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. This spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I just said? It's a gift that is exclusive to the church. And watch this. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he dwells with you and will be what? In you. It's radical. Never in the history of planet earth. Before that moment in the first century, the Holy Spirit ever was in someone. It was always upon someone. It was always with someone. This is the first time it's in someone. And why is it in someone? Come tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow's message. For he dwells with you and will be in you, and I will not leave you Orphans, I will come to you. It's a promise. The Father's giving of the Holy Spirit is the down payment for our redemption. The Holy Spirit is our helper, comforter, guider into all truth, and the restraining force within us. Is that clear? Also, he says that he will not leave us. Let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You can boldly say that. Christians don't say that as often. Why? Because they doubt. They don't think that he's you know, not leaving them. They, they, they don't think that he's there with them all the time. When, when you are so convinced, you, you live with that power of the Holy Spirit in you, then you boldly say, the Lord is my helper. That's it. Another thing besides that is occupy with the, father, the Father's business. What does it mean to occupy with the Father's business? In Luke chapter 2, verse 49, he said to them, Why did you seek me? To his parents, remember. They were looking for him. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Jesus understand. I came for a purpose. I'm not here to just pass time and kill moments and just wait until I'm turning 30 and then do some stuff. No, from the very get-go, he understood his purpose. He understood what he came for. He came to be about his father's business. He came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was preaching in the surroundings of the temple to people who are, you know, seeking God, but they cannot find him because they are religious. And he's talking to them. Luke 19, 13, so he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minors, and said to them, do business till I come. We're all businessmen in a way. All of us must be doing the father's business. But I have my own business. Well, 
we can have our own businesses, but still need to be about the Father's business. Okay? The Father's business is who you are. It's not what you do only. Because people think that, well, I'm not called to the ministry. Well, maybe you're not called to a ministry, but every Christian is called to the ministry of sharing the gospel. Everyone. We have to be engaged in ministry. I don't have time. Find time. These are the last days. Where do you think the Father wants to find you? Well, how do you think Jesus wants to find you when he comes to take you? Doing what? He wants to see you engaged in ministry. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, I'm not telling you buy now a round-the-world ticket and start doing that. But I am telling you, start with your surroundings. Start with your neighbors. Start with your family members that are not saved. Start with your workmates or classmates. Oh, wow. I'm afraid to offend him. Oh, so him going to hell is better. <laughs> what do you mean you're afraid to offend him? Worst case, he will think you're a nutcase. But he thinks that way about you if you're a Christian and you live as a Christian anyway. But the good case, he might get saved. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, when, now then we are... Let's read it together. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see, not only that you're businessmen and women, you are ambassadors. You can literally, honestly, you can print a card. With it, it should say, businessman, ambassador, and future judge and governor. Because we will judge and rule with him, remember? But for now, we are ambassadors and businessmen. That's who we are. And if you don't think that you are, then there's a problem with the way you perceive the scriptures. It is clearly saying here, we need to tell people to be reconciled to God. We are no longer of ourselves. We are now, we belong to him. Our citizenship is no longer this earth, but it's heavenly citizenship. And which means that if that's where we belong, we're here as ambassadors only. And we, re we actually reflect him here. Ephesians 4 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure 
of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, uh, yeah, in the cunning uh, craftness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body join and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. See, we all have a job. We are a part of a body. We must function in order to get the result. Now, another very important thing is spiritual prioritization. Prioritization. I'm an Israeli. These kind of words are foreign to us. <laughs> Hebrews 10. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in some manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So much the more. We have to let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Sp becoming a spiritual people. Not worrying about my name and my fame and whatever. Be spiritual. Let, be led by the Spirit. Don't consider yourself too much. Consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the... One of the best ways to get completely detached from reality is to be detached from the church. Is not to assemble physically with one another. That's the best way to lose it. That's the best way to, to, to start sinking into conspiracy and, and, and bad, you know, bad directions that will lead you nowhere, trust me. Our mission is to redeem the time because prophecy will be fulfilled, no matter what. But we need to redeem the time. Ephesians 5, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I don't have good news about how the world is going to be. The world is not going to be better. The days are evil. We live in a very evil world. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. We are watching the birth pangs in the global scale, but we're watching even in the local scale a growing uh, sheer uh, portion of evil everywhere, all around us. Now, we must redeem the time. Every day counts. Every minute that we live here, this is a minute that God gave you to live for him and to share about him. Redeem the time. Stop and think. I live in the last portion of the last days. I live in the most amazing part in the history of human being. What am I doing? How do I spend my time? How much do I spend on computer games, on, you know, doing worldly stuff? And what is it 
that I do in my time, the very precious time that I'm being given. We also must have patience and perseverance. Psalm 37 says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. You know, Christians are the most impatient people, especially those who love Bible prophecy. From some strange reason, everything that happens around the world, immediately they think, that's it. <laughs> Calm down. Don't worry. If you're ready now, you don't have to worry about anything. Okay? But when you're not ready, you worry all the time. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who, 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 who prospers in his way because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Romans 5, 3-4. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. There's good things that comes out of the bad things that we go through as believers. It builds character, and that character gives us hope. If you think, I mean, I'm still looking for the verse where Jesus says that if you choose him, your life will be garden of roses. It's just not there. From the get-go, the church was the target of so much attacks. And persecution and tribulations throughout history. Why, what makes you think that in the very end, when Satan knows he's about to be completely gone, what makes you think that now he's going to let loose and, and now he's not going to attack anyone? Now more than ever before. Galatians 6.9 Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season... We shall reap if we do not lose heart. If we do not lose heart. You know how many Christians um, that are into setting dates for the Messiah to come? Now it's Messiah 2030, which means he cannot come tomorrow because it's 2030. <laughs> but from some strange reason, we've gone through so many cycles of date settings. and then You know how many people I know that left? faith because they were too disappointed because they were promised he will come on a certain day. We should not be like that. We should never lose heart. We will reap in due time. James 1, 2-3, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Count it as joy all the time. Every time you're being attacked, instead of getting so angry, say hallelujah. Look, the only people Satan is not attacking are people that are already his. If you have no spiritual warfare in your life, something is wrong. <laughs> then you should be worried. 2 Peter 3, 8 to 9. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, 
but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, people who give him time, setting time, and he's, well, he's late. No, he's not late. You are impatient. That's what the... And, and, and the reason why he is not yet taking us is maybe because some of you here are not there yet where you decided to follow him. Thank God that he will take us in due time, at the right time, not a second before and not a minute after. Endurance. Hebrews 10.36 For you have need of endurance. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You see, a lot of Christians think that, okay, I want to first see the promises and then I will do the will of God. No, that's not how the word says it. We need endurance. We are the most gifted people on planet earth. You know the future more than any intelligence community around the world of, of, of any agency. You know exactly what's going to happen. You know exactly who is going to win. You know exactly how it's going to be. Why would we, of all people, be so afraid, so fragile, and so faint-hearted? We need endurance. We need to remember, we need to do the will of God, so we will receive the promise. Hebrews 12, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with what? Endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Don't look. Don't look at people around you. They are all going to disappoint you. Your race, and this, this lifetime for us is a race, is a race that can be only won if you look at Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Another thing that, Unfortunately, Christians are not really exercising much in the last days. It's discernment. It's very troubling. Discernment. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So many lack that understanding that can only come from the Holy Spirit, but we're not that smart. You know, the Holy Spirit in us, you either let it work or you just let something else lead you. Okay, if you are spiritual, led by the Spirit, then you will have discernment. But if you're not, you will not have discernment. 2 Timothy 2.15 Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. It's important because so, so many people wrongly divide the word of truth. James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without a reproach, and it will be given to him. You don't seek wisdom. You don't find discernment in, in the world. 
You ask God, and he gives people. Without reproach, he will give it to you. 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many, not one, not some, many. Most of YouTube is filled with false prophets. Most of the Christian label videos in YouTube are wrong. I don't know if you, you understand that. They're wrong. And, and, and it's funny how they, they, they put their face and like that. And then shocking thing. And then you, you, know, you, you click and there's nothing. Be careful. Another thing that he needs us to have in the last days, power. <laughs> Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the, the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. It's there for you. Take it up. You don't have to search for it. Take it up. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is what? Greater than he who is in this world. To begin with, our starting point, we're much greater. I mean, he who is in us is much greater than the, the ruler of this world. But the problem is, do we let him lead us, he that is in us, or... Are we being led by he who is in this world? And then we're weak. We're not strong. COVID taught me one thing. Love is limited to you. If you do things my way, I'll love you. If you don't, our Christian brotherhood will dissolve. Listen to me. I've lost so many friends over this stupidity. Love of brothers and love in general should not be conditional to anything. John 13 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And trust me, the world was not impressed with how the church handled COVID and everything else related to COVID. The world was not impressed, and I think Jesus was not impressed either. Love was tossed out of the window. Friends were, were apart, and families were torn apart, churches were torn apart. And for what? It's not even about the gospel. It's not even about salvation. It's not even about redemption. I can't imagine how churches that were, were going through so many spiritual 
uh, tribulations and they stayed strong over that split. Colossians 3.14, but above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. 1 Peter 4.7.8, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Fervent love, not just love. People around the world the only way they can see that we are of God is by the love that we have for one another. Do you think that the world was convinced that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life when he saw how Christians attack one another during those two years from hell? And then he says, sound mind. Sound mind. Oh, we've lost it. Sound mind was thrown out of the window so many times. Proverbs 16. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Ephesians 5, 8 to 10. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the spirit is in all God, goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out that is what is acceptable to the Lord. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. 2 Timothy 1. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what? But of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what a believer should be like. Amen. And I'm telling you again, you want to lose the sound mind? Go to YouTube. <laughs> this is why I encourage people to be in the Word because the Holy Spirit will guide you. But when you sit there and all they watch what someone else is saying about what that man is saying and quoting that man is saying about this one and saying... You're going to lose it. And sound mind is definitely not going to be on the table. Beware of sensationalism. I'm telling you, this is the epitome in this world since phones, smartphones were invented. You see, tourists 20 years ago had a camera. You know what a camera is? It's a plastic thing. You look through a little hole here, and you take a picture of something nice. Today, it's about you take a picture of yourself all day long. And the addiction to social media causes you to want to always say something. But what are you going to say if you don't have something to say? Well, then you have to become sensationalist in order for people to, oh, did you hear what he said? You understand? Yes. Shut up if you have nothing to say. First Peter 1, 13 to 16, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope 
fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. What can believers now expect living in the last days? First of all, the first thing we hear in everything that Jesus talks about in the last days, the first words of deception. Deception, 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 deception. Which means don't ever take a word of someone without making sure you see that the Bible indeed is talking about it. Do you understand? Because you will be deceived. Today, you will be deceived in every possible way. The technology is there for you to be deceived. Romans, and it's interesting, you see it from outside the church, like in Romans 3, it says, there is none righteous, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They all have turned aside. They have together became unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have uh, practiced deceit. So from outside the church, we know religious people all around us, you can see that there is deceit that comes uh, uh, over unto us. But also from inside the church, 2 Corinthians 11 says, but what I do, I will also continue to do that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Christianity is, has been breached from, from the first century and is filled with this thing. And for the most part, they are the most successful. They got the biggest audience the most sold books, and they got the attention of because they sell fluff. They, <laughs> what do you want to hear? I'll give it to you. What do we expect? Another thing we expect is cowardness. Cowardness. Proverbs 28, verse 1, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a liar. Revelation 21, take a look at the list of those that are going to be left outside of the new Jerusalem. Look where it starts with. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and shall be him. he shall be my son. But there, what? cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral. I mean, you, we think immediately the first thing is sexual immorality. The first on the list is what? Cowards. Those who are afraid to open their mouth and say 
what needs to be said. We also have to expect tribulations. No, why do you say that? I'm a pre-trib believer. Yes, you will be exempt from the great tribulation, but you will have many tribulations in your life. And, and no one ever was promised tribulations free life as a believer. Oh, I don't, I don't think I, I can sign up for this one. Oh, okay. How do you want to live you know, in, in this world? Look, not, in, not a single verse, as I said before, promises us a garden of roses as long as we're here in this evil world. And this is why we go back to the first, you know, first point. Stick to the word and hold on to the promises of God. It will build character and that leads to hope. Hope for what we know he's going to do with us. Look, look at you. This body cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You know that. This is, this is pathetic. All of us. You know, we, I mean, we, we, we grow up, we have great hair, and then the hair starts moving to the ears and to the this and this. We had a great nose, and suddenly the nose grows bigger, the ears grow big. I mean, what's going on here? Listen to me. We hold on to the hope of what? We are going to receive a new body. Hallelujah. Unperishable ones. A body that only then the law of gravity will not have anything to do with us and will immediately be gone. 2 Timothy 3.1 But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. I mean, we were promised that. Why are we so surprised? Perilous, halepos in the Greek. It means hard, troublesome, harsh, fierce. Where is the Garden of Roses here? He says it's going to be like the days of Noah. <laughs> As the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood... They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving to marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Is that the judgment of God will come upon the world when the world obviously is just living you know, its dream in a way. But think about it. When you see evil all around you, when you see the workers of iniquity flourishes, you understand this is exactly what is predicted. You know, the judgment of God will come when we're out of here. As long as we're here, do not be dismayed when you see how evil triumphs, how, how, the, how the, the, the bad people are doing well. You know, <laughs> I, I was teaching about Revelation, about the New Jerusalem, and I'm, how pathetic it is of all those people that are going to nice places and take selfies like that, you know, with nice, <laughs> nice things behind them. And you're thinking about it, it's all perishable things. It's all things that are going to burn. And, and you know, w women can go, I mean, can go to a, a, a jewelry store today and buy themselves some nice pearls. 
our city gates are going to be made of a chunk of pearls. I mean, our streets will be of gold. I mean, think about it. So we know what we're going to have. Why are we so eager to have what the world wants to have? Look, they want to have this right now because they will not have it in the new Jerusalem. These are the days of the church of the Laodiceans. We know that in the, in, the, in the second chapter, in the third chapter of Revelation, it's not only a description of the church in the first century that John knew all of them, but it's also a description of church history from the very first century to the 21st century. And we're at the very end. We are in the, in the days of the church of the Laodiceans. And why some scholars like to limit the seven letters to strictly being applicable to the literal churches then, take a look at this. Every one of the churches is actually uh, describing another era in the church history. And here we are at the church of the Laodiceans. We see from the 20th century on, we see what is the, the spiritually lukewarm people, spiritually self-deceived people commit and, and look at the, what he says that they need to do. And all of, this is, by the way, part of what we are hopefully going to come and teach maybe next year or the year after about the book of Revelation from, from chapter 1 to chapter 22 all in one weekend. And that's Revealing Revelation, the book that we have outside. But I want you to understand that we are definitely looking at a progression of each church representing each church period in the, in, the, in, the, in the history. Ephesus represents the apostolic age. Smyrna, the, the persecuted church of the third century. Pergamum represents the time period when part of the church married the world under Constantine, spanning the fourth to the sixth century. Thyatira parallels the dark ages and rampant harlotry in the church. Sardis is the age of the Reformation, when dead church entered an age of Reformation, realizing that the just shall live by faith. Philadelphia represents the great awakening of the 16th to the 20th century. Lastly and finally, the church to those in Laodicea. It's, it's not to those in Laodicea, but to the church of the Laodiceans. And uh, we can talk about it forever. Revelation 3, 14 to 16. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things say the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning, of, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. The deeds of the Nicolaitans that are mentioned there. I mean, I, I have to move forward. But I will tell you this. We look positive outside with, you know, positive outward reputation, but inward spiritual decay. That's the state of the church today. We see false doctrine. We see many terrible things that are all afflicting all over the world today. Number three, what are your plans for the last days? Are you ready? Look at you, you're all depressed. 
I successfully depressed you. Are you ready? 1 Corinthians 16 says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. 1 Peter 3, 15 to 16, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a, a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Are you prioritizing the lost in, in your life? Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Are you in the world, but not of the world. John 17, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Think about it. If in the first century he would have taken the church, None of us would be here as a, having a chance to be a believer. Thankfully, he did not take the church in the first century, but thankfully we have the promise that he's coming to take us. And thankfully, we live in the only time period in the history since planet Earth was, was, was created to see all the stage set and ready for the return of Jesus for his church. Guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Keep your first love. Keep your first love. Revelation 2.4, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. God is looking. This is a letter to the churches. It's not to, you know, uh, uh, some married couple in the world. This is to the church. God is in every church looking if they have that first love or if they have lost it. Because you can become a church goer, not a Jesus follower. And, and it's, you know, coming to church is not automatically making you a Christian. Just like standing outside in a parking lot will not automatically make you a car. So you have to understand... You have to have that first love. You have to come. You have to worship. You have to serve. You have to, and you have to not forget the assembly. Focus on your heavenly inheritance. Focus on your heavenly inheritance. 1 Peter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this 
you greatly rejo uh, rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the, the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Psalm 119, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. I know, O oh Lord, that your judgments are right, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In Romans 8:28, and we know that all things work together for good. By the way, he says we know. We don't think. We don't hope. We know. You don't have to think. You, know, you don't second guess. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Is it true? Yes. Am I glad that it's true? Yes. And when is it true? Now. All things are working together for good. I don't see. That's not part of the verse that you need to see it. While the fruit called patience is still growing, it is now. God is working. And even when you go through hard times, He's still working. All things are good. So I hope you understand. We live in the last days. There are essential things that all of us should know and exercise regardless of circumstances. And I can tell you that great is our reward and wonderful is our inheritance. And we are the most blessed people that this world has by not only knowing who we belong to, but having all of these promises and holding on to them even in, this, in these evil days. Father, we thank you for your words for your promises, for who you are. We thank you for all the warnings and all the advices that you're giving us in your word as to how to live in these last days. Father, we ask that uh, you will remind us daily to be in the word to hold on to love and power and sound mind, not to fall into sensationalism, not to lose sight of our real reason why we're here. I pray, Father, that you who began the good work in the people here, you will be also faithful to complete it. And Father, I ask that if is anyone here this afternoon that is afraid, that is not even sure about his salvation, that he was convicted today 
of living life that are not as he should live in these last days. Father, today, I pray that you will speak and you will cause your word through the power of your Holy Spirit. You will cause those lives of those people to be complete, completely revolutionized, to, to be completely changed and be fine-tuned to the way you want us to live in these last days. Father, we're so thankful that we are privileged to live in these last days. We, we know that even Paul wished he saw what we see today. And if he, who did not see what we see today, could boldly say that the dead in Christ will soon rise and we that are alive and remain will join them at the coming of our Lord in the clouds. If he considered himself as someone that can be raptured at his lifetime, how much more we today, having seen all these things and everything we heard even this morning about the return of Israel back to the land, about the great apostasy that already began all around the world, having seen all the birth pangs already in motion, how much more we should comfort one another with these words, encourage one another with these words, that our gathering to be with you is very soon. We thank you, we bless you, and we pray all of this in the matchless name of the Holy One of Israel, who is the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, Emmanuel, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Great Shepherd. He is Yeshua, who is our salvation. In His name and to His glory we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Connect with Behold Israel on Telegram, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Download our free app, available on Android and Apple under Behold Israel. Amir's teachings can be found in multiple languages. You can also visit our website, beholdisrael.org.